0: On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas, we We roll roll along. along. Hey, howdy, how you doing? Glad you're tuning in. You're telling your friends that you hang out here on the other side of Texas where we just try to be original, smart, and funny. That's what I always tell our people. We want to be original, smart, funny, and get this show rolling. So that it's worth listening to. I'm glad that you count it worth listening to, however you're listening, whether that live or on the podcast. Uh we are broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running stop into one of five convenient locations across hub city for the best wash around guaranteed racerwash.com coming up my political counselor gonna lay on the couch and tell him my political woes and he's gonna give me the straight shot analysis that's ross ramsey the one and only Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. We're going to be breaking down the State of the State address as well as the State of the Union. Some straight shooting, Ross Ramsey there. I've been asked a lot about my opinion of the State of the Union from a uh, prairie populist perspective last night. And I have some thoughts. um, And... Well, first of all, before I tell you my opinion, can you name for me your four county commissioners? Can you name for me your city council person? Can you get to the basics? Because whenever we begin to look at all of life through a national lens, whenever we think about politics, yeah, there's no wonder so many people say I don't care about politics. Because it becomes this drain. And there are multi-levels through which to see this. You can see it local and how that ties in with state, and how that ties in with federal, and hopefully that's what we do here on the other side of Texas. But, that's my my local argument there. But last night, I honestly was a bit floored. It's like, it was like watching your buddy, uh, the guy or gal with whom you've been to a lot of ball games, and maybe... Yeah, thrown up in a bar ditch or two. And you've laughed and you've fought, and then one day your buddy sits down behind a grand piano and begins to not only play that piano but riff it like he's Johann Sebastian Mother Truckin Bach. And that's what last night was like. I did not know you could do that, bro. I did not know that you could do that and that was my opinion on the speech was that Trump went to I mean for the first time that I've been exposed to Donald Trump he sounded like a national leader now reading from a script I get it but that's what orators do at least in the State of the Union addresses whether that's William F. Clinton or Or that's reagan or obama anybody within our lifetimes at least the demographic of people with this program reading a speech but staying on message and bro i did not know that you could do that and that was kind of my reaction from the state of the union was that dare i say and this is a guy this radio host i'm telling you right now i have I voted for Donald Trump in the presidential, well, in the Republican primary, back when it was liberal to be for Donald Trump. I voted for him based upon his trade and economic message. And then I voted for him again in the general election. So I've I've been, I've not hidden my support for Donald Trump. But I will say in being in support of Donald Trump, there are times that you just kind of groan and think you know there's a point in which you've got to be the president and a lot of people and this is the big thing with trump is that a lot of people think think that he has some indignation that he's crass uh crass in his messaging and certainly you could say he is but those so many of those people who make that argument will not admit that the whole political system has been crass to the middle class for the last 25 years at least been absolutely crass but look good on the surface and Trump's a guy who's blown up that surface and um, it's it's difficult because we get into this argument about eloquence and class and not being crass and Trump has defied those terms but last night for the first time was presidential, in my view. And I have a clip that I'll play that makes my point right here. All Americans
1: can be proud that we have more women in the workforce than ever before. Don't sit yet, you're going to like this. (laughs) And exactly one century after Congress passed the Constitutional Amendment giving women the right to vote, we also have more women serving in Congress than at any time before.
0: Bro, I did not know you could do that. I mean, he's he's freaking box sitting at the computer sitting at the uh, grand piano. I did not know that you could do that. And uh I thought it was a great speech and uh you can't deny other I mean, the Democrats of course coming in like 30% on the polling, but 82% from independents like myself uh you can't deny. It, it wasn't a great speech. You can disagree in parts like he's going to he he's going to put together talks with the taliban and kim jong un if barack obama would have said that he would have been there been effigies burned of him but uh, trump can get away with it and I certainly had a good speech. We're going to get Ross Ramsey here about two minutes from now on air with us. Break down this speech and the state of the state. Stick right with us. Quickie break on the other side. Get in with Ross Ramsey on the other side. Stay right where you are. ARV AM 580. Love it. It's enough. You got to yell now. Every week he comes on the program, and I lay down on his proverbial couch. He is my political counselor. He is Ross Ramsey of the Texas Tribune, executive editor. How are you doing, Ross Ramsey?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, sir?
0: I'm good. So I'm going to just take a seat and lay back. Um, (laughs) Tell me how... I listen to state of the State address, listen to State of the Union, want to get your takes from them. Um, and I have some questions. But first, just your overall impressions of let's start with State of the state and then get into State of the Union. Uh, but your impression of the state of the state address, how does it match up with the umpteen others that you've covered?
1: You know, it was uh, Greg Abbott staying on message. I, I was—I wrote a column about it that basically said he didn't make any news, and that was a good thing. Um, he's got people in Austin politically pretty focused on his priority issues, which are, you know, the first two are school finance and property taxes, and he wants them to work on some other things as well and that he talked about. But he didn't do any big change of subject. He didn't have any big surprise. He didn't have anything, you know, that was bright and shiny and distracting. Uh, he clearly wants the legislature working on those priorities, and that's really where he directed his fire in this speech. I think the interesting thing, watching both the State of the State speech and the State of the Union speech in the same day, is you can really tell the difference between state and national politics right now. Um, Abbott's speech was on the cool side. It was, you know, he was not trying to get anybody really ginned up. He was trying to, you know, make the case for what he wanted the legislature to do to kind of state it out. He's a former lawyer. He laid it out pretty logically and um, didn't raise any hackles. You know, the president talked for a much, much longer time, uh, covered a lot more ground, and, you know, it had some sharp edges in it and some surprises in it. So I, I just think they were completely different takes on you know uh, where the republicans are nationally with their leader and where the republicans are in texas with theirs
0: on the abbott front do you first of all here's the underlying here's the underlying presupposition do you think there's a chance that the texas house could go democratic in 2020
1: you know i think there's a chance i wouldn't say there's a likelihood Um, you know the maps in texas We just had an election that was different from the elections before it. And the 2018 election was really interesting. It got the Democrats really fired up. It got the Republicans really nervous. But if you're looking at to draw a line, a trend line or something, it's only one election, and it's a little bit different from all the elections before it. So we kind of need another election before we know was 2018 unusual and a once- you know, once in a while thing, or is that a real change in the way Texas elections go, And is this a increasingly purple state? It was a purple election, but a lot of the districts that the Democrats won in, the Democrats and the Republicans didn't expect to see you know, democratic representatives in those seats. There were a bunch of people who barely got into office who will be fighting to hold on to those offices in twenty twenty. There are a bunch of people who barely didn't get into office who will be trying again. So, you know, you could you could throw, you know, a number of seats either to the Democrats or to the Republicans around the state, depending on what the atmosphere is and what voters are talking about when it's time to vote in November of 2020.
0: Okay, I ask that question because I wonder what this sounds like. What yesterday's speech, Ross Ramsey, to you sounded like in tone and tenor, at the state level compared with Ann Richards' final state of the state address in which the ensuing election would go to Republicans. Did it sound a lot like some red meat to the Democrats, but we're going to work in a centrist way uh, with her as it did to me yesterday with Greg Abbott?
1: Well, she had, you know, Ann Richards had the advantage of a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate and mostly Democratic statewide officials. She was, you know, it was a different time. Um, They were, she was serving under a uh, Democratic president and who, in his midterm, Bill Clinton was having a hard time in the same way that Donald Trump was having a hard time in his midterm this time. Um, In her case, that 1994 midterm election that flipped the U.S. House from the Democrats to the Republicans bounced her out of the mansion. So, but her last election in 1993 was uh, her last—not uh, her election. Her last state of the state in 1993 was right after Bill Clinton was elected. The Democrats were on a high point. Uh, the difference now is Greg Abbott's in a position where the Republicans, after the 2018 election, you know they. Uh, they got beat pretty good you know nationally and you know they're a little bit more subdued and I, you know i there's a difference now in in the Texas Republicans they're in a mode where you know two years ago they were they had a lot of red meat issues they had a lot of things going on uh they had some ambitious agendas Dan Patrick came to Austin with thirty things on his list uh this time they're You know, when you ask them what they're trying to do, they either name those issues that I was talking about, or they say, look, this is a meat and potatoes or a bread and butter session. We're just going to put our noses down and get to work and, and not try to get a lot of attention.
0: Yeah. So I just feel like at the very least I threw out a good parallel. Can you at least give that to me, Counselor?
1: Well, I think, yeah, I think the times are different. You know, every State of the State speech or every State of the Union speech is different and is reflective of sort of the political tenor of a particular time and the political goals of the governor or the president giving the speech. And, you know, um, Abbott and Richards were both pretty goal-oriented in those speech in their, you know, most recent, her last speech and Abbott's most recent speech. Um, so, yeah, there's a parallel.
0: Yeah uh tell me about let's focus on state of the union for a minute and then come back to state of the state because i have some questions ross ramsey just for you um what'd you make of i just did a monologue on it's almost like watching your buddy who you didn't know could play the piano sits down and starts riffing like he's like he's bach like oh my buddy's Johann sebastian bach i've not seen that from donald trump
1: yeah, it was a pretty good, you know, it was uh, a friend of mine said, you know, there's a difference between Twitter Trump and teleprompter Trump. Um <laughs> he was he was he was pretty good. Um he had some moments in that thing. There's an old joke that diplomacy is the art of patting a dog on the head while you look for a rock with your other hand. And his speech had a little bit of that in it. It was a little bit of, you know, we need to work together, there's some things we need to do, and if you don't, you're going to blow this economy. Um so, you know, there was definitely a rock in his other hand. He talked for a long time. It was, you know, I uh, we were watching it at home, and I looked at my wife at one point and said, "You know, this is Bill Clinton long at this point," and it turned out to be about right. It was, you know, uh, those two both give long speeches. He covered a lot of ground. Um, the question, as it is with any chief executive giving a speech like that, is what's the follow-up? What are they going to do after? You know, the this is the difference between watching a state of the state and a state of the union. A state of the state happens at the beginning of a legislative session it's a governor sort of setting down his markers for what he wants to do and you find out in in the twenty weeks of a legislative session whether that governor got away with it or not whether that governor had a success or a loss or some mixed kind of result A president's a little bit harder takes a little. it's a little bit longer judging period you know he told congress he wants to do some things he listed some things he was you know kind of in specific about the money for He listed a couple of things. He said, we need to spend this much money on this. But the problems that were facing him and the things that he was trying to do on Monday before the speech are kind of the same things he was working on today. So the speech is kind of a marker. The question about it is whether a couple of weeks or a couple of months down the line, whether the things he talked about in that speech changed the direction of what he was trying to do.
0: Ross Ramsey writes a column every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday there at uh, uh, TexasTribune.org. Let's go back to the state level for just a second, Ross, and these emergency declarations. Line up those emergency declarations, and here's my question. How are school districts going to get more state money under this 2.5% rollback rate election cap if they don't know where the money's coming from?
1: you know the state has probably depending on which budget you're looking at whether it's you know the governor has some budget ideas it's not a complete budget that he put out yesterday the house and the senate have both introduced um budgets that you know they hope that the uh, as their starting points for the legislature and all three of those have somewhere in the vicinity of six billion dollars that can be spent on property taxes and schools it's money that's you know, the, this starts with the controller coming out on the day before the legislative session saying, you know, uh, tax collections are good. We're going to collect $9, $9 billion more in state taxes than we did two years ago. Um, some of that money is already spent. But generally, they're looking at it and saying, you know, we've got about $6 billion. We could spend it on anything from teacher pay raises to just putting it into uh, state spending on schools, on the current formulas if we wanted to we can use this to increase the state's share of education, whether we use it for teacher pay raises or something else. And all of those things should help ease the pressure on local school districts uh, that have been forced over time to raise their local property taxes. The other question is about this piece of legislation on property taxes that would limit or require uh, voter approval before School districts, cities, counties and special districts could raise taxes more than two and a half percent. School districts have sort of an out here. If if you limit the cities like that, if they if you're in a city that for some reason or another can't get something done because of a limit like that, and if voters won't approve going over two and a half percent, you're just stuck. You're gonna have to cut something. School districts are in a position where if they're limited to that and can't raise the money the state says by law, they need to educate the kids they have. The state's obligated to put in the money, mm-hmm. so the cities aren't made whole by the state. The counties aren't made whole by the state, but the school districts have because of these school formulas and because it's a shared kind of finance uh, and out that the cities and counties don't have.
0: Um, Secretary of State Whitley. I can't remember a time where a uh, Secretary of State's made more news. Goes in for confirmation tomorrow. Um, What's that going to look like, Ross? Is he going to get confirmed?
1: I think he's. I think this is going to be problematic. You know, he um, he hasn't been in office very long. Uh, he just he was Greg Abbott's deputy chief of staff. Rolando Pablos, the former secretary of state, uh, resigned. You know, would, not an unusual thing. They usually he lasted about as long as they usually do, a couple of years, and um, the governor appointed Whitley. And Whitley came out, um, you know, so that sets up the, you know, he's going to be confirmed by the Senate and all of that kind of stuff. But in the meantime, Whitley put out a press release basically saying we have a list of a 100,000, nearly a 100,000 people in Texas who um, were at some point during the last 22 years non-citizens and who also some point during the last 22 years um, have registered to vote, and 58,000 or so of those have actually voted. And they put out a press release on a Friday afternoon, and the implication of it—they didn't explicitly say this—but people who read it, including the president of the United States and the attorney general of Texas, Twitter
0: interpreted Trump. it, yeah.
1: interpreted it as a number, as a thousands of people voting illegally in Texas, and. So this thing kind of blew up. That's not what it said. It said that we have this many names of people who at some point applied for a driver's license or a state ID, checked the box that said non-citizen, at some other point got a voter registration, and some of them voted. Now, it's entirely possible. One scenario here is that someone who is a non-citizen managed to get a voter registration and to vote. It's also possible on the other end of the spectrum that somebody who came into this as a non-citizen got their citizenship, went and got a voter registration, went and exercised their citizenship by voting, and nothing, nothing untoward happened. But what happened with this list was they didn't do that check before – they didn't run this down before they left the list out. And nobody I've talked to thinks that there are 55 or 58,000 illegal votes in Texas by non-citizens. Um, it's also not necessarily undocumented immigrants it's you know this is this is also people legally in the country who are not citizens of the united states there are you know lots and lots of those and a lot of those people while they're in texas for example get a driver's license so you know it's not you know it's not a, a it's not exactly how it was characterized by the secretary of state and certainly not the way it was characterized later by the attorney general the president the return the republican attorney generals association and a number of others and it became kind of a firefight now david whitley's got to go into the texas senate and say you know i I hope you'll confirm me to be the texas secretary of state and i think the questions are going to be pretty lively
0: yeah and you're alexa you're putting up a piece about how important it is for democrats to be on board Uh, with david whitley's nomination and
1: yeah if he gets if he so the process here is is he he gets appointed by the governor and goes to the senate it goes to the nominations committee that's a straight up majority vote and if the nominations committee recommends him to the whole senate he goes to the senate and he has to have two-thirds of the senators confirm him or he's not going to be secretary of state
0: can you say kill seliger (laughs) well I, i don't
1: think you even get to seliger you know you've got 31 senators, you need 21 votes, you only have 19 Republicans. Mm. Even with Seliger, you've got to have two Democrats. Um, And, you know, that also assumes that you've got all the Republicans. And I don't know that, you know, any Republicans would vote against David Whitley, but the actions of his early months in office can make that vote uncomfortable. So the question is, you know, how's it going, how's it go tomorrow in the committee and... Based on that do they continue to pursue this Does it look like he's going to be okay Or does it look like it's going to be a controversial vote On the floor Could be an interesting story as we roll forward
0: Oh man Ross I'll tell you this As I get off your political couch um, We are able to track Our guests And the retention of our guests uh, People who listen On the podcast side Uh, Mm -hmm. People don't leave you Ross And I I think that says something That's good to hear thank you At Ross Ramsey there on Twitter. Follow him along. Never found Steve Martin and Ross Ramsey in the same room. I'll leave that to the conspiracy theorists. Thank you, Ross (laughs) Ramsey.
1: (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. All right,
0: buddy. Uh, Get off with Ross Ramsey. Get back in. Tell you what's going on the rest of the week here on the other side of Texas. Stay right where you are. Quickie break. We'll be right back with you. Shake. check out jay leeson that's right i'm talking about myself in third person only barack obama jesus christ and up to date uh, me on that last reference talking about myself in third person but i want to help you meet your realty consumer lending needs give me a call 806 543-1317 i'm in the game with the big heavies and uh you can help me make it happen you think we straight shoot you straight on this program i'll shoot you straight as well with all your real estate needs that's the game i'm learning i've been absolutely covered up by it and i'm loving it would we love to help you as well something that's made me laugh I have more to say about uh, that real estate stuff later something that's made me laugh today is that somebody is sending uh, fortune cookies to Ben Sass, the Republican senator out of Nebraska. And what they say to Sass are pretty sassy. See what I did there? Sassy fortune cookie um, messages. And from an angry American and Ben Sass put it on twitter because he quote thinks it's time to give props for creativity um today he says someone hoped for me to be trapped in an elevator with people with folks who are angry with me the one he put up on twitter was may the afterlife turn out to be a series of never-ending fox news interviews ben sass has a stalker out there hey uh i'm a stalker of one person and that's my daughter and uh, i always say on this program and i would say this for integrity's sake i always say on this program that I, i talk about place but i also know the gospel and i know that you can't go critique something outside of yourself until what you have in place in your place is settled and what I have is an 11 year old daughter who about an hour from now is going to go sing the national anthem at the United Spirit Arena. I think it's a wonderful thing um, a great thing for her and she's gonna do it with her class I don't mean to say that she's gonna be doing it solo but she could do it solo Uh, and I think so long as her dad's in the crowd she can um, do anything she sets her mind to. So, all that to say, out of integrity's sake, I'm going to end the program a little bit early tonight and go watch my daughter sing the national anthem with her classmates at the Lady Raider game. Um, and until next time the next time on the program we'll get an economic forecast for lubbock and west texas from our friend james arnold who heads up american bank of commerce here in lubbock also get in with our friend mike Bazaar uh and do some technology talk i'll try not to go all um conspiracy theorists on you and sound like they're putting gay frogs in the water like uh alex jones but uh have mike Bazaar in here tomorrow and that's going to do it for this edition of the program again i I always say thank you for tuning in and telling a friend but i really do mean it without you guys especially on the podcast side uh, we wouldn't be around and i appreciate you passing the podcast along to friends friends who want to get a straight up and down of what's going on and not just shaded from one side or the other That's what we do here. We try to rave on and appreciate you tuning in more than you know. And i'm gonna get home, gotta get home, great family, and above average dinner tonight. That above average dinner is gonna be hot dogs at the United Supermarkets arena as my little Grace Leeson opens up the national anthem with the Lady Raiders. Until next time, Rave On buddies, Ravon, we'll see you in next edition of other side of Texas, ever gonna find us? shipwreck on the mountain, rubber neck and all the outlaws. It's who we want to be. They have to just make it and two step on the road.